I'm a libertarian. What I'm getting is, did why? you vote for Joe Jorgensen or Trump? Who? <laughs> Joe the, Jorgensen. That was the perfect answer. Thank you. And welcome everybody to the Libertarian Podcast Review. This is a little special edition. We're going live tonight. Truckers out there, beware. We've got. Let's bring him into the studio. Reed Coverdale, I thought I could control this thing. Reed Coverdale, uh, t- I put up online today. I said, "Hey, um, let's do an impromptu, you know, podcast host. Let's uh, bring you out." No one responded. You did late. I really appreciate that. You, uh, thanks for coming out. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, where where are you at right now? I know you've been trying to traveling around. Uh, what part of the states, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I'm actually home in Utah right now. I'm uh, going to be gone. Uh, this coming weekend, so my boss is kind of keeping me local. So I'll probably be home every night this week, which is pretty rare, but it's probably the deal. So, quick question here: truckers, truck stops. Is it the gay hookup that uh, everyone says? I know it's not for you, but I mean, you know, do you, do you run into people out there like something about Mary? Uh, I kind of stay out of everyone's business. Um, you know, I don't really <laughs> look around and ask. I mean, if if you've ever been to a busy truck stop at night. It's, uh, I don't know, it's not the most welcoming environment. I tend to just get my food and, you know, go <laughs> go do a podcast or something and go to bed. So I try to, um, I make a lot of jokes about, um, you know, lot lizards and things like that. But a truck stop's the last place you want to literally get anything, let alone uh, sexual favors or <laughs> something like that. You know, it's a, it's a pretty disgusting area. The, the mask mandates in the bathrooms, um, you know, when those were happening, they didn't really need the mask mandate. That, that's right. kind of you know, recommended anyway. Right. <laughs> so people don't know, um, you, you, you're, I don't know, are you a, you're a long haul trucker or a big haul? Tr- what is, what is the technical term? And maybe you could break a little bit of that down. Yeah, sure. I do heavy haul, which heavy is haul. moving oversized equipment. Uh-huh. Uh, so we'll move some other random oversized things that aren't heavy equipment, but like 98% of it's machinery. Um, and I do all the Western states. So pretty much from the Rocky mountains West, I go to any state and then occasionally we'll go to Texas and then really, really rarely we'll go like all the way out East, but we mostly just stay in the West because the regulations and the, um, you know, the customers we have are mostly, they're just easier to deal with out here. Do you have to, uh, so you don't do a long sections, like, so the truck stops and all this stuff really aren't, and I know I'm kind of making jokes here, but um, that's really not much of a problem for you then. It's shorter distances, big hauls. Well, I mean, I'm in a truck stop a lot, like all over the, you know, the West. I mean, I'm usually only home on the weekends. This is just a weird week. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Truck stops, it depends on where you are. Some of them are nice and they're not that bad, but you know, California, Southern California, um, and then Nevada, they have a lot of really shitty truck stops that you, uh, I I mean, I've heard of a couple that you want to stay out of, like in Denver. I think it's on the East side of Denver. You don't really want to stay in Commerce city area over there. Yeah. So I don't know. You just kind of, you kind of learn which ones are nice and which ones are shitty. And then you try to aim for the nice ones. So (laughs) Well, so what, what, the reason I'm asking some of this, I mean, obviously you do trucking, but I, you know, watching your early videos. So I do podcast reviews, right? And I, I make a joke about kind of finding that Liberty, autistic Liberty star. I don't think you're all autistic. Uh, you maybe want to claim that, that there, but you do podcasts and going back through some of your old ones there. I mean, you're, you're, I assume you're doing them from the, the 
cab of your truck or like the, the sleeping bed area or something like that? Is that, how, tell me, break me down or break down the, the, the whole back there, your internet connection, what you're having to do with that. Cause sometimes you're fading out and you're in, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, maybe you're upgrading your studio a little bit, but um, what was it to begin with and what is it now? Yeah. So, I mean, in my house, I have a green screen, I got Wi-Fi, okay. but when I'm on the road, um, sometimes I'm just using my phone. Like if I'm solo and I'm just talking about, you know, sometimes I'll just do a rant for, you know, 40 minutes about something that'll be on my phone. Uh, but then when I'm doing an actual podcast, I usually bring my laptop with me and then I just use the hotspot on mm. my cell phone. And sometimes it works great. Like my interview with Tom Woods was off of hotspot, uh, that went fine. Um, and I've done, I've done several of them that went really well, but sometimes you're in a truck stop where you've got like three bars of LTE or 3G or something. And you're just, I mean, it's, it's in and out, you'll lag, but, um, I've kind of made that the persona of the show, you know, right. it's almost expected. Oh, something is going to go wrong here. You know? So I've, I've joked that you set the bar low, and then you can you can meet it every time you do an episode, you know. So um, I don't know. People have tolerated it so far, so I'm gonna keep that trajectory as long as I can. Yeah, I think. yeah. Why not? <laughs> did you have uh, so when you first started doing this totally from your phone, or did you get a mic to go with any of this recording stuff set up or not? Or you just straight so, to YouTube, I guess. Yeah, actually, my first like ten episodes were before I got my job because I was in between jobs. It was. I, I lived in New Hampshire and I was doing line work mm. and then I quit that in December of 2019. Um, and then it wasn't until June of 2020 that I got my job out here in Utah. So there was like this big gap and COVID extended what that gap was supposed to be. But I was actually living with my aunt and uncle in the middle of nowhere in Colorado and I was helping them build a house up in the mountains. And so my first like 10 episodes were just from that room uh, and we had really, really shaky service. So every single um, every single video was pre-recorded on Skype. And then when I moved out to Utah, I started doing them occasionally from the truck and then some from home. And then I eventually, uh, the beginning of this year, I started going live. I think it wasn't until like March that I finally figured out how to do that efficiently. And I've done almost every show live since March. Oh, okay. Um so you've done some pretty amazing interviews, I think, uh, in at least some of the people you've got in there. Um, you did them early on. How did you go about just like snagging some of these people? Was it just like reaching out? Because I know the like, I mean, look, you're you're coming down here with me. You've got you know six thousand subs on YouTube, uh, big Twitter following, and uh, so you know I'm able to to get read on here, which is nice. Uh, and I got you know Pete Quinones and Clint and stuff. So. Uh, and the liberty movements kind of avails themselves to this, but how did you first decide that, hey, this is what I'm going to do as far as grabbing these people? And then how did you find them? Um, well, yeah, I mean, at first I was just talking with random people on Twitter and some friends that I had. Um, but then what I decided I wanted to do is uh, interview libertarian candidates for Congress and state positions. So this was last year because no one was doing it. I mean, Larry Sharp was doing right. it and um there's one other guy uh he runs like a libertarian candidates account on facebook or something mm -hmm. he was those two guys are like the only ones interviewing all these people and i was like wow maybe these guys would be willing to come on my show so you know i got like justin o'donnell and um john molnar um 
Elliot Sherman, who I regret now. I didn't realize what an idiot he was back in the day. <laughs> but, uh, so that, that know, answers like, my question. The worst interview, I guess, then. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he seemed all right back then. But, man, like a, a lot of people say that, like he was okay. And then they said he kind of just snapped and became deranged. But I had, like, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 libertarian candidates on. And I got Vermin Supreme on for an interview, which was kind of cool. And it was a serious interview. I was yeah. actually trying to get into what he really believed. And that was cool. And then I got Spike Cohen when he was the VP uh, candidate. Um, so that was cool. But then nothing really took off until um, January of 2021. And then I became friends with Dave Smith. And that was all just from being in the right tweet at the right time, coming across him and uh, he and Jeremy Todd and David Fight and I kind of all ended up uh, becoming friends. We did a video together. And then Dave got me connected to Tom Woods, and he gave me tons of publicity just, like, retweeting my stuff. And from there, it just took off. And so I just started reaching out, trying to grab everyone I could who would be willing to come on and made it all the way to Peter Schiff uh, this past week, which is – that was amazing. Like, that's a big guest for yeah. me right now. Like, that was – that – that was just a shot in the dark. I just uh, sent him a message on uh, on Instagram and he read it and then sent it to his secretary and uh, he contacted me. So I don't know. I mean, there's been stuff like that. There's been complete shots in the dark where I just try and someone will be like, yeah, sure. And then other times it's just because once you know someone, they know someone else and they can connect you. So it, it, it seems to mostly be who you know instead of what you know. And uh, you've just got to be really aggressive and just, you know, you miss every shot you don't take. So might as well go as high as you can and you never know if they'll say yes or not. Yeah. And then when you when you get one and then you say, hey, Tom Woods was on there, then Peter Schiff's like, oh, yeah, Tom used to sub in for me. I better do this. So, you know, the, the ball starts rolling. Uh, preparing for Peter Schiff. I mean, I'm no economist. And I, I, I saw that interview, by the way. It was really good. And I don't know, you know, look. You've got, I, I kind of made a joke with you on Twitter the other day. You've got uh, Ryan Dawson, Scott Horton, and Peter Schiffer kind of wind up doll interviews, right? You maybe throw one question and they can just go for quite some time. Uh, I, I, you had great questions there for, for Peter. Did you do research for this? I mean, or did you just kind of, you're, you're just reading, you just kind of know stuff? Well, I've been listening to Peter Schiff pretty religiously for a while. Um, so I, I know very well what it is he believes, what he talks about. Um, so I, that was the first interview I wrote questions down mm. for in months. I, I mean, it's been so yeah. long. Like pretty much every interview, I just go cold turkey. And I like to have organic conversations to see where they go. So um, before we went live, he only had like half an hour. So I told him, hey, man, I've got six questions I want to ask. So if you could just limit your answer to five minutes. <laughs> and he kind of laughed. Right. Um, but he he was he's way easier to interview than Ryan Dawson. Um, I, I think Ryan Dawson's like the hardest out of the three of them. Probably Ryan and then Scott and then Pete. Is that uh, is that because Ryan's more like hurting cats in a sense, where you, you throw something and he goes and then he finds his way to another rabbit hole and another one, or or yeah. why is he more difficult? Yeah, I mean he he's hard to like keep on one subject. Mm. I mean I love Ryan, he's a yeah. good friend, but he, I mean if you ask him about one thing he will just go like he'll bring that to the next line and then the next thing that is like whoa whoa ryan let's like let's stay on this thing and then um because i mean he's he's probably the smartest guy i've had on the show i would say ron i mean he's just his he has so much information in there that i think it's hard for him to just like stick to one thing because 
it's all connected and you know his mind just goes all these places but um I, I think uh having him on so many times probably did kind of prepare me for peter schiff in a way i was thinking that before i had him on because you're right with any of those guys you could just say like one word and let them go for three hours and they wouldn't need any notes they wouldn't need any right. prompts they could just keep talking and talking and talking and talking so it's kind of amazing do you ever listen to um uh, scott horton's his own podcast and interviews yeah, I, I actually think that um, for me, it's one of my favorite because he is asking the questions and he's got amazing questions. And, you know, sometimes when he's on a show, he, he goes for so long, you're kind of like, OK, someone break it up. Just kind of, you know, move the ball a little bit different spot. And actually the interview, with, and by the way, you did. You did one with uh, Nick Gillespie. I actually thought Nick did a great interview with him because he um, Scott goes and he stopped him and then had something to say. And it was it was a much different type of interview are there people out there that you've had to like pull like pulling teeth to to get just to say something spend an hour with them and then it's a struggle um man you don't have to point anybody out but not anyone like big there was one guy i'm I'm just not going to name him uh because i don't want to embarrass him but he uh he did come on and it was just really like i don't know the interview just really fell flat he didn't have much to say and he had been begging me for weeks to come on the show. So mm. I was like, okay, fine, I'll have you on. And then he came on and it was just really kind of bland. But uh, no one no one really important, pretty much everyone important that I've had on has always had something to say. And it, we're usually, you know, we usually run out of time before we can even get everything covered. So um, that's why I like doing the, the Four Horsemen videos because they're two hours long and it can just like go and go and go. I mean, you could you could have those for eight hours, but I really like I really like the drawn out conversations where you really get rolling and you really get into some deep content because uh, that's just that's lacking in today's media. You know, yeah. even on like even on a show like Bill Maher's show where they kind of get into things more than a regular TV show, it's still not enough time. You you need you need a couple hours usually. Yeah. And it's, that's just, that still feels really scripted where when you're doing the thing, you know, the, the uh, Brady Bunch look there, it's just, and by the way, the people you had, they're all, you know, engaging and it seems like it's friends. So I'm sure that makes a much better difference as well. Cause you can jab each other. So who, who do you, who have you had the four different times now, otherwise, let me just back up. My first interaction, uh, seeing your, your videos actually was when Dave was on there, Dave, you, um, Dave Smith, uh, Dave, is it David fight or will fight? There's two fights out yeah, there. David fight. David fight. And then there was one other guy. Was that Jeremy Todd? Jeremy Todd. Okay. And there, yeah. um, I, I love that, that, that you drew me into your camp immediately there. And then, um, I saw the, the four horsemen that you've had there. Maybe go back and just explain a little bit about the unity thing. Cause I know that's still, um, I don't know if it's contentious, but it seems like, you know, when I first saw and you were, and I saw you on Twitter messing around with Dave and, and it was very well done. Um, there was, you know, unicorns and, and unity. And now, now I see you posting on Twitter and it's not quite <laughs> the same. So what was your wow. goal at the time and what has it gone to? Well, actually, I don't think really anything has changed. Um, I, I was always shit posting. I've definitely like ramped it up a bit in the recent months, but um, you can ask people who were following me last year and that's always been an element. Um, what I was getting sick of was, people who were just doing nothing but fighting other libertarians Mm. because it's counterproductive and it's over stupid shit usually. And it's also really low hanging fruit. Like if you're making fun of Lulberts, doesn't that get boring after like two weeks? I mean, because they're so pathetic. They're just not interesting. Um, It's like arguing with 
you know, really dumb liberals or something. It's, it's just not, it's not interesting. Redundant so there. if you notice who I go after, like I go, I, I try to punch up, you know, and I end up getting in these arguments with pretty high profile people. And I end up on these lists, like uh, I've been on Siraj's list. I've been on bad COVID-19 takes. I've been on bad HIPAA takes, bad libertarian, you know, like pretty much every list I've, <laughs> I've made it onto. And it's because I, I don't, argue with Archie Flower. I mean, he blocked me anyway. So, and um, well, I guess what we were trying to do was draw high profile people away from getting bogged down by parasites mm. because um, the only reason any of those people had any publicity or had any gravity to what they said is because the big guys would stoop to their level and argue with them. And it was just counterproductive. So after Joe Jorgensen did so horribly and we lost the election, David fight, Jeremy Todd and I, we were like, all right, we want libertarians to kind of be united and start punching outward, you know, against the actual tyranny that's happening against the COVID regulations, against the wars, against the Fed, against the war on drugs, all this shit, instead of arguing about transgender bathrooms or whatever. And, um, Dave got into some altercation with us on Twitter and then we all just started talking it out throughout the Twitter feed. And he was like, Oh, I actually really like what these guys are saying. So he reached out to us uh, through a private message and asked, you know, Hey, what are you guys all about? And we kind of told him and he's like, Oh, I'm all about this. So then we did that episode you're talking about. And I think it kind of succeeded because we were really worried about like Dave Smith and Spike Cohen and Justin Amash all being at odds because they have mm. slightly yeah. different approaches to messaging. And I've seen like the important people kind of brush all that aside and realize, you know, Hey, we're united in fighting for Liberty and that's what we care about. So if you have stupid, like parasitic retards, just, you know, constantly biting at people's ankles. They're always going to do that. And I feel like they've become irrelevant. Um, I guess Jose Gallison was yeah. the latest guy to really put the nail in the coffin on them with the whole block Sarwark, right. block Archie thing. And that's that that really solved the problem. Like, I, I haven't seen a Sarwark tweet in weeks or Archie or whatever. And so, you know, most of the fighting... I want it to be facing outward against the people who actually matter because Archie doesn't matter. Um, Nick Sarwark doesn't matter. And, you know, I feel like they've been given plenty of chances to cut it out and join the ranks and just put the bullshit behind them, but they don't. Um, and I feel like everyone can see that now. I feel like before January, when Dave and us became friends, it wasn't really obvious to some of the newcomers. And I was a newcomer to the party who was stirring up the shit and who was causing the problems and over the last few months, it's just been extremely obvious, like, hey, we want to advance liberty. And then the, as I call them, the bitch fuck cucks, they're the ones who are like, no, we want to steal the New Hampshire Libertarian Party. No, we want to argue about homophobia. We want to argue about this. And they're just so ridiculous. So I think anyone who's serious about this fight that we're in has kind of realized they're irrelevant, left them behind. So... Um, you know, once you get past the point of uniting, you've got to move on to something else. And um, that that's what I've uh, that's what I'm doing now. You know, like the, the reason I started my show was to try to, like, um, you know, break down these barriers that are built up that we're, that um, yeah. kind of separate us and make us think of each other as enemies. 
and make people actually think about why they believe what they believe. So I feel like the unity thing doesn't even need to be talked about anymore. So I've kind of gotten back to just doing that at this point. No, solid stuff there. So what do you make of, and maybe you're not following it. I know you are actually, probably. Uh, Jason Stapleton and Matt Erickson, is that his name? Yeah, I think Matt Erickson, kind of like um, trying to say that you're, you know, don't take the political Mises caucus route and which kind of, I mean, you, you were, you know, your unity is talking about kind of, the, is, is it the political side or is it just kind of the liberty side? What do you, what do you make of them doing their thing? Um, I think, you know, I, I, I know more about, I, I mean, I've been more involved with uh, Matt Erickson more recently or, or, or not involved, but paying attention to him more. Yeah. And I think he's kind of obnoxious who's the other guy cyprian or whatever his name is vin vin armani yeah like he's really obnoxious um but you know i don't i don't care like matt and jason i think they should do their thing but i don't know why they have to constantly criticize people for being politically involved i i think the point that they have is don't just be politically involved you know if you can better yourself you should do that too and i totally agree with that but I don't understand the constant belittling of um, political involvement. You know, the same for like from Sally Agoras and people like that. It's like you guys got involved with this because of Ron Paul's presidential campaign. So it's so hypocritical to say that political action is meaningless and doesn't affect people, doesn't bring people in, because that's how you got started. So, um, you know, I think I think it's important to better yourself financially and make yourself independent, but also to be involved and try to wake more people up because odds are that's how you got drawn in at some point. So I I don't, I don't see why they should be at odds. And it feels like they're the ones who are choosing to be at odds with us because I don't feel like any of us were criticizing Jason or Vin or any of these people for what they're doing, but they are constantly screaming at us for doing what so I don't know. I, I think they should just cut it out, do their own thing. And if you don't want to be politically involved, then don't be. But stop like tearing people down who are trying to make a difference. I, I listen. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I and I think they have a lot of valid comments. So I listened to Matt today because he had on Pete Quinones, and then um, they were going on for a while. And I actually asked him a question. I was like, so because I haven't listened to everything they said, but kind of the gist, you know, when they're I'm slamming the Mises caucus, which was Jason was saying. Um, which I'm like, are you, you know, this is an honest question. Um, but if you actually try to remove yourself from politics, aren't you kind of venturing into Ancapistan in itself? You know, I mean, politics aren't going to leave you alone. And, you know, they came back and say, no, you don't leave, you don't just ignore the guy out there with the gun. I get it. Okay. But maybe it's the method of coming at people so harsh about be, and you know, they're, they're really kind of pushing the religious angle that they have, which is fine. I'm religious myself. I know you're, you're not. And maybe we can talk about that a little bit, but it's almost, it's very off putting to me the way that they're saying that um, those that do want to be in politics or that those that, you know, following along with this are just kind of mind numbed robots. And I'm like, you know, a lot of the libertarians aren't, and that's kind of why they're in this state. And um, I see this as more, not a religion, but as a community, which could be like a religious community that at this point is very important. I just had my daughter's volleyball game tonight and, you know, the mask mandate. And I had a bike wreck recently and have a little trouble breathing and I didn't want to put a mask on. So I got kicked out of the, <laughs> the gym and I'm like, you know, no one's really standing up for this stuff anymore. And it's, uh, you know, this is these kind of communities, my buddies, uh, uh, Liberty Ones Online are, are the ones kind of giving support. 
I don't know. I just kind of ranted off there. What do you think? Yeah, I think there needs to be a culture around liberty and it doesn't need to be right wing or left wing or religious or non-religious or whatever. Like th- there is there is a culture to defiance and a culture to um, independence, you know, and I think that that can be really a, a uniting force. And I think you're right. Like, it's good to have this community where other people think the same way because I mean, it's sort of like going to church. If you're a religious person, you know, like you go there to bounce your ideas off other people and to try to improve your own life and hear other people's testimonies or whatever, sort of similar. I mean, whatever community you're part of, if you're into bowling or if you're into shooting or whatever, like you're going to hang out with those types of people to try to improve your own journey in whatever, you know, field it is. So I agree with you. And and I, I would just say, just like all those things you're talking about, sometimes those communities are necessary because there's a binding thing that you have, like, you know, Liberty, Rothbard, or your church, or bowling. Um, but the reality is if that's all you're talking about in those communities, that's a little boring. And you're probably, you know, you're, you're maybe just a surface friend because you're it's deeper than that. You know, I watch you guys on the uh, Tower Gang and it's not, you know, just Liberty stuff. It's just BS and fun. And that is yeah. where you build your community. Those guys are going to be out there helping you change your tire or, or do it. Well, maybe not. But anyway, <laughs> so it's an important stuff. Um, you've you're, you're, you're Let's go back to some of your, your um, video stuff. So the Four Horsemen, you've got explain what that is to people that may not know. And then what do you, what's your, what's your goal every time you do that? Do you have one in mind or is it just kind of like a random thing? Yeah. So that was born organically. The The way I actually got connected to Ryan is through the Jackman brothers. Uh, so Eric Jackman's the guy who's always on there. Yeah. Um, Mike Jackman, I've also had on my show a couple times and he's been around a little bit too, but um, it just started. I was like, Hey, why don't we ask Ryan if he'll come on with both of you guys? And because I'd had him on once alone by himself back in January, I think. Uh, and then in March, we were like, Hey, let's, let's the four of us just do a show. So we did it. And it was actually a, um, a technical disaster. I was getting kicked off the stream every five minutes. Right. My service wasn't holding up. It was, it was horrible. But uh, then we decided, Hey, let's do the next one with uh, Pete Quinones. And so Pete agreed to do it. And so there are going to be five of us, but then uh, Mike Jackman ended up getting sick and he didn't make it on. And so then we realized, actually, you know, four is a really good number. And this is a kind of good dynamic with me just kind of putting this together and kind of directing the conversation a little bit with Eric doing all the impersonations, keeping everyone laughing. And then Ryan, you know, just bringing his autism and genius to the show, you know, like it, it's just like, yeah, it's a good mix. So we decided we'll just rotate whoever that fourth person is and we'll just do it once a month. And they're two hours long because we get in uh, nothing scripted. Sometimes there's not even a subject. Like the latest one was Sean Atwood. We didn't even have, um, we didn't even have like a, a central subject to the conversation. It was just like, Hey, let's just see how it goes and run with it. Um, I think that is just like complete uncut deep conversation where everything is so organic that you accidentally say something really genius because it seems like if you're trying too hard to say something or if you have an idea of what you're trying to say sometimes sometimes that's not as conducive to something that's really profound usually the really profound things come out accidentally Mm. and there's been a lot of those moments uh you know when you have all these great minds together because we've had now we've had pete 
Dave Smith, um, Scott Horton, uh, Clint from Liberty Lockdown, Sean Atwood, um, someone else. I don't know. We've we've had I think we've had six of them now. So um, the conversations in there are just really deep, and people love it. Like people want me to do it once a week, and I'm not going to. I'm just going to do it once a month because I know they crave it and they look forward to it. And it's kind of the the biggest thing about my show right now. I'd say is just doing that once a month and. Um, it's, it's cool. I love doing it because I, I don't feel like there is another Liberty show that has something like that going, you know, that people look forward to and is so spontaneous yeah. and crazy. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and, and I'm going to put up here in a little bit, uh, kind of who you have coming on. Well, why don't we just share this right here? Okay. So you posted this out. This is who you have coming up here in the next month. Um, why don't you explain, walk through these and, and tell me a little bit about each one of them. I think I probably know, but um, I'd like to hear your point of view. Can you see that? Sure. Yeah. So tomorrow is um, Jacob Winogrid, who's the uh, biblical anarchy show. Um, and that's going to be interesting. We're not going to argue about religion. I'm just going to ask him about how you can come to anarchy through a biblical perspective. So that should be interesting. Uh, Dak Rouleau is someone that I had on a lot last year and I've had him on a few times this year, but he runs overwritten report and he actually exposed all the democratic candidates in 2020. He asked pretty much all of them what their position was on Julian Assange Mm. and Tulsi Gabbard is the only one that gave a satisfactory answer. And I met him in New Hampshire on the Tulsi Gabbard campaign. Uh, so we became friends and I have him on uh, once a month right now, and I go on his show once a month. Uh, Justin O'Donnell and uh, Joe Evans, they're going to come on on Saturday to talk about the war in Afghanistan because they both served in Afghanistan. And now that we're out of there, we'll see what happens over the next few days. But I just want to get their um, reflections on it. And then Drew Hancock on the 7th. Um, I'm going to have him on to talk about actually being based because I think he actually is and some people think they are and they're not. So yeah. being based means yeah. like saying, sticking to your values and saying something that you believe is true uh, when it's not popular necessarily. And so many of these shit posters, they think that they are independently minded or that they're saying what they think, but there actually is a bunch of peer pressure in the shit posting community too. Like if you um, if you say something that they don't agree with, like they'll eviscerate you and spit you out. I mean, it's, it's kind of ugly. So there are, um, you know, there, there are people like Drew who really just say what they think all the time. Um, and but then, before you go on, I, I just, I brought this off cause I wanted to actually talk about Drew real quick. Um, yeah, the kid is, I mean, he's, how old are you by the way? Do you 27. Know 20, Jesus, you guys, <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I've got a son who's 21. Okay. And, um, he's not drew Hancock. It's, it's, uh, he's not based like that. He's a good kid. My kids are going to, I've always said I have four kids, 15 to 21, and I'm trying to, I'm teaching them and they're doing a really good job of being um, really skeptical, you know, not cynics, but skeptical kids. But I used to think I was creating leaders, but at this point I think I'm creating criminals. That's just, you know, they're, they're independent enough and uh, push back. Um, but Drew, uh, you, I, you're so right about that. I didn't even, I'm glad you said what based was. I was just like, yeah, that sounds great, but I'm an old, old guy, old boomer. Um, but he, you know, just his idea and disagree however you want. He came to a different conclusion last week about abortion. Okay. And people could check out his Twitter for that. And that's something exactly what you're saying. He got a lot of shit for it. And it's, you know, and then before that he was talking about, he was defending open borders very strongly, but he does it in a way that one, if you disagree with him, you're not going to 
to um, be left out. He doesn't like kick you out, but he's got his own mentality and he's coming to these conclusions on his own. Then he went on Austin Peterson's uh, radio show and he talked about it and um, I just give him all kinds of credit for, for what he's doing. Uh, before we go on to, I want to talk, you, you said uh, O'Donnell and Joe uh, for Congress, they're going to come on and talk about, um, actually, no, the, the one before that, Jack, uh, Rilo, how do you say Jack his name? Rilo. Yeah. So you mentioned about Tulsi. Um, you had worked on the Tulsi campaign. Is that correct? Yes. And she's going to be coming on your show. Yeah, she's going to be, so she's still on active duty and apparently she doesn't actually know when she's getting off and uh she's been on for four months right now and i don't even know where she is but she's overseas somewhere so whenever she gets off duty uh she's going to contact me and set up a date so i talked to her media director like three months ago and she had said she thought it was going to be like toward the end of the summer sometime but she's still on active duty, so I don't actually have a date for that yet, but she'll get with me when she gets off. Is she like, she seems, and the reason I say that is because um, she's, you know, the the war part was very good and she really pushed back against the Clinton and Hillary Clinton and everyone just embraced her for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But then she ends up doing things that I, I, I like about her, which is she's friendly about going on. Uh, right-wing pod- podcast. She's, I think she's Steven Crowder. She went on with Glenn Beck and she was respectful yep. and, you know, disagreement, but uh, has a great conversation. And it makes someone like me that probably disagrees with a bunch of things with her. Um, hey, I, I like that, you know, because in, in the real world, you know, I have friends and you probably do too, that don't agree with you on everything and you're, you're friends. And she seems more like that kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's, uh, uh, she's, she's a very human person. I'll Mm -hmm. put it that way. Like, I mean, if you lined her up next to everyone else who was running in 2020, they were just so reptilian and disgusting and unrelatable. Um, And, you know, that's part of the reason I supported her. Uh, The other thing though, is it's kind of inaccurate, but a lot of people think she was good on war and nothing else where war actually wasn't even her best position because she, uh, she just did a video actually about Afghanistan and how, al-qaeda is like a huge threat to us and we need and so many people were shocked and i wasn't because i know her and i she always talked about how she was a dove on regime change but a hawk on terror the Mm. the the big difference between her and everybody else was that she did not want to arm al-qaeda she didn't want to give weapons (laughs) to terrorists which is a pretty important difference (laughs) you know like bernie sanders would act like he was anti-war but he was one of these Assad must go people you know arm the the moderate rebels you know uh, which was ice uh, you know al-qaeda um so uh, she was better than everyone else on war but she was also really good on you know surveillance and the drug war and most of the constitution obviously there was a couple amendments she wasn't very good on but uh you know most of the constitution and what the president's actual authority was and um, then she was also good on things like school choice and she had pretty moderate views on abortion, things like that. So she was just a very interesting person. Um, I don't regret supporting her or any other time I spent on that campaign. Um, I did lose a little bit of respect for her when she endorsed Joe Biden. Yeah. And then when she went kind of full, you know, um, full bore with the COVID stuff <laughs> that that really disappointed yeah. me, too. But uh, I don't know. She did a couple things in Congress before she left 
after the presidential campaign that really made me proud. She did the, she, she introduced three pieces of legislation to repeal the Espionage Act, to free Julian Assange, and to pardon Edward Snowden. Right. And Thomas Massey co-sponsored a couple of those. She introduced a bill to repeal the Patriot Act. Um, she also voted, she was one of two Democrats to vote against that god-awful spending bill right before right. Christmas. You know, so, I mean, she's definitely a very interesting person who thinks for herself and doesn't really stick to any lines. So I'm really looking forward to get her on the show. I'm going to ask her some interesting questions. So I'm, uh, that's, that's probably going to be my biggest interview I've ever done once I get her on. So, um, I'm going to go back to your list, but you reminded me of, uh, something you tweeted out today. Um, the government wants universal background checks. So I act, I can't accidentally privately sell a gun to a felon, but they forcibly took my tax money and pumped weapons into Iraq that ended up in the hands of Al Qaeda and into Afghanistan that ended up in the hands of the Taliban. Where do you come up with things like this? That's a brilliant, oh. that's a brilliant uh, tweet. Come on, you're, you're, what would you know. say 27 or? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just natural. I mean, I, you see, I put stuff on every day. It's just a gift I have. So, um, some of my tweets definitely push the line and then some of them go over the line as far as like being offensive or whatever. But I do get messages from people telling me they appreciate that I say those things yeah. because they can't in their position. And some of these are people that we all know that mm. someone would probably be surprised if they heard that they had messaged me this, but they do. And, uh, you know, then other people who are just in, uh, you know, in employment situations where they wouldn't be able to say stuff like that. So, you know, I'm a truck driver. My boss is based he doesn't care about my political opinions so i can say whatever i want and i'm going to keep doing that <laughs> no and, and and i appreciate that uh, you know back to you know bring this back up here um this little shit um lockout day <laughs> uh, yeah he um one of his videos he's like hey you know just do something for liberty or whatever and you know make videos and i was like you know that's that's when i started doing this thing uh, but you know when i'm talking even to clint or, or what you're saying here um, is not everybody has that ability to, you know, job wise to just go out and say what they want and to, to make, you know, the big, especially the days we have now, the, the, the masks and on the vaccines, everything, you know, you get canceled from your work and, and maybe lose your job. I have, you know, I own my own law firm. It's not really a problem. HR is me. So, you know, bring it on and what you're doing. So I, I, I applaud people that are coming out and doing, you know, the fighting in a sense. So um, I give credit to you know, I just do a stupid podcast here, but it, it sometimes I was in Costco with my wife yesterday and they made me take a mask. So I took a mask, just put it in my pocket and we're walking around there. Everyone's masked up and, and I'm in California, by the way. And, mm -hmm. um, some lady walks by and she has her mask. She pulls it down. She says, thank you. And she's like big smile. And I was like, okay. So we, we, we gave her a little pump of, of bravery, I guess how stupid that is. So mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh, then you have Dave Smith coming back on here then. Yeah, Dave Smith and Jeremy Todd. Um, we all got to hang out at Freedom Fest together. So we're I, we're just going to do a, like a recap on Liberty Unity, you know, from January and see see where we think everything lies now. Um, and then I got Pete Quinones coming on on nine eleven, um, and we're actually we're, I'm sure we'll talk about nine eleven a little bit since it's the the day I'm having him on. But we're actually going to be talking about like this almost split that seems to be happening between religious and non-religious libertarians, which I think is ridiculous that it's happening. Um, I think, you know, I'm having Jacob Winogrid on tomorrow 
And um, I think that if you are a Christian anarchist who can make a compelling case for liberty, that that's great, you know, or if you're a fun, if you're a fundamentalist Muslim and you can somehow make an argument for anarchy and libertarianism, like, you know, I think that everyone should be um, using whatever angle they can to bring people in. And for some reason it pisses people off if you're using religion or if you're using you know, atheism, like I do sometimes, or whatever, whatever your shtick is. Um, I don't think that people should be trying to shut each other down. I think that, you know, we need every venue possible to bring as many of us together as we can, because there aren't a lot of us, you know, so trying yeah. to split hairs over that is is really dumb. No, I and, and I'll say from, okay, so you and I probably have a similar earlier background, uh, you know, very religious. I mean, I went mm-hmm. to, you know, Christian schools all my life, um, but I still am. Okay, but I'm a, now an anarchist, and I, I mean, my, I should not be threatening you at all with my religiosity, right? Um, just like sure. libertarians never are much a threat anywhere because, you know, we're nonviolent and we're not going to take over anything. But, I mean, that's the way it should be. And so you're right. You and I should have a lot together to, to coalesce, coalesce on and be okay with. I'm not going to push my thing on you, and you're not going to push. And I've actually found in the anarchist sect, the ones that I like that are, um, I don't know what they are, their beliefs. And you find out they're a- atheists and I'm like, yeah, but they don't have, I guess it's more along the lines of, I don't feel that they have disdain for my religious thoughts as or my beliefs as much as, um, you know, left or right kind of does. I don't know. What's your, what's your place on that one? So, um, you know, the thing is like, I make my own posts. I never have gone after anyone for making some religious post on Twitter. I don't think ever, I think I might've made a couple comments here and there, but for the most part, like I'll make a post about religion and then people will come out of the woodwork to tell me what a horrible person I am for daring to say this or whatever. And it's like, look, I don't have atheist in my bio. I don't like, I've done like two or three videos on it on my channel out of like 150 episodes so far. And you know, a lot of these, a lot, a lot of like Christian anarchists, like they have the cross and then some verse and I don't care, like you do your thing. Um, and you know, if you, if you can bring people in your way, that's great. If I can bring people in my way, that's great. And yeah, I mean, there are things about Christianity that I think are ridiculous. And then there are things that Christians would think that I believe are ridiculous. You know, they, they'd be like, what's this nothing from nothing stuff or what's this, you know, big bang stuff or evolution that's retarded that's so you know that's fine like that's not the battle that i really care about having right now because um you know if 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 you're someone who believes in the tower of babel that's much less important to me than the fact that you believe the government has a right to tell me what i have to put in my body or what i'm not allowed to put in my body or you know whether or not we're going to war in afghanistan or it's just like i mean you gotta you gotta put things into perspective you know because um, you, you can you can look at it in, in other ways too. Like if you're someone who uh, is gay, or if you're someone who is more socially liberal or socially conservative, like all these things just don't matter as much as the state's power over our lives right now. Uh, because you know, I would have some. I'm actually a very personally conservative person, so some like really degenerate, like uh, socially left person, and I would probably disagree on a lot of societal personal subjects, but it doesn't matter like at all right now, you know, and they can do their thing. Like if they want to bring people to libertarianism through like 
degeneracy and whatever it is like okay fine that's you like if 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 heroin use is the way you want to recruit libertarians like fine as long as you're recruiting them i'm not going to get in the way of that but don't expect me to support heroin use or talk about it like it's good or you know i'm gonna have my own thoughts but let's not let that get in between us so you know i don't think that you need to even respect other people's views like uh, on whatever it is like um you know, you don't need to respect Christian views, Muslim views, atheist views, Jewish views, whatever. Like, all you need to do is tolerate them and then realize, like, what's the bigger battle right now? And then, um, you know, but when it comes to religion, like, I think just belittling other people and not willing to have those conversations is really dumb because um, the only way I got where I am now is from listening to people who disagreed with me initially. So just dismissing people and demonizing them for having a different opinion is, is really dumb. So personally, I, you know, I don't seek to just belittle people who disagree with me. I actually want to have interesting conversations because even though I don't think it's nearly as important as allying against the state right now, I still think these ideas are why we are inspired to do what we do. So they're really important to talk about. And, you know, everyone has a different life story and everyone's arrived where they are in a different way. So um, I'm always open to have those conversations and, you know, wonder if I'm wrong <laughs> because that's, I, I think a lot of people, they don't actually want to know what's true. They're just worried about reconfirming their confirmation yeah. bias. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. You know, I want to know what's true. So I want to talk to everybody. So the, <clears throat> the libertarian angle through heroin, I think that's Nick Gillespie's. Have you heard? No, I'm, I'm, he does. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, on the whole subject, I you know we can disagree with a lot that uh, Ben Shapiro says, but he does make one argument uh, consistently, which is he goes, "I don't argue things from a religious perspective because it gets nowhere. It it alienates some people, um, and you're not going to buy my my point of view. So therefore, I don't do it from that perspective unless we're talking about religion. And that's sure. I, I think that's a great aspect of both ways, right? So. Um, Anyway, uh, that's all I had on that one. Let's go back here and finish this off, kind of who you're bringing on. Sure. So you have, and then it looks like the on the 18th, you're having another Four Horsemen, it looks like. Yeah, and I actually don't know a ton about Mike Rivero, so I need to research him a little bit. But <laughs> I think he knows a lot about 9-11. Um, and that, that's a connection through Ryan. Ryan got us, uh, he got us um, Sean Atwood, and he is also getting us Mike Rivero. He's also probably going to get us, um, uh, what's his name? blanking on it right now um man sorry I, I'll, I'll probably you'll come it to later, it but... you'll come to it while we talk about abby martin first of all yeah. will she be the best looking guest that you've had or is that <laughs> peter Schiff? uh so far yeah i mean i guess it's a toss-up between her and tulsi when tulsi finally comes on but uh yeah no that, that's gonna be really cool that's also through eric jackman he he's had abby martin on his show and he's good friends with her brother robbie martin yeah um and so she uh, she went on his show with his brother, and they had a pretty good episode. I think they were mostly talking about Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflicts and, you know, Israel's influence over our foreign policy and then the CIA and all that stuff. So that's a lot of what I want to talk about with her when I get her on my show. Um, but then she followed me on Twitter, and then I sent her a message and said I'd love to have her on. Um, so that that's going to be really cool. Um, that's October 3rd. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, so a lot of people don't like this, but I relate better to leftists than conservatives in general. Um, 
because I disagree with both leftists and conservatives on a lot, but I feel like good leftists who aren't like sold out to the COVID regime and, you know, sold out to the war machine and everything. Like, and I think Abby's like a really good leftist. She agrees on like the most important issues, which are war, surveillance, mass incarceration, like the things that really, really cause a lot of human harm. And I like completely disagree with her on economics, but I feel like that's just less of an evil thing to disagree on, you know, at least conceptually, I think in real life that that has really big implication, uh, really big ramifications disagreeing on economics. Cause I think leftist economics enforced through the state are harmful to a lot of people. But I think, I I do think that in general, it's well-intended where a lot of the evil things that conservatives tend to believe in, you know, it's harder to excuse away, like incarcerating people for drug use and deporting 11 million people because they came here illegally 30 years ago, or, you know, going to war endlessly because USA, you you know, whatever. It's just like, they're more mindless, like evil things that they excuse away. So I tend to, I tend to relate better kind of like Ron Paul did with Dennis Kucinich and how he Mm. would talk about how like progressive real progressives are natural allies on these issues Um, and that makes a lot of people angry I think that that's the way I am but yeah that's the way (laughs) you are I mean did you so have you got pushed back by the fact that you're going to have her on the show Uh, not so much her but mostly that I supported Tulsi Gabbard and I honestly don't think a Tulsi Gabbard is a far left person. And it's just because I know her really well. Like she's kind of just all over the place. Um, But the fact that I would support someone who supported gun control, you know, really triggers a lot of like right wing libertarians. Um, And it's somehow to them means that I also support that. But, you know, I would support a conservative if he was anti-war and he was against the Patriot Act. And, you know, if like if he was just bad on immigration and didn't want to cut enough of the military budget or something like if he was mostly good, then I would have supported him, too. But you just don't find that very often anymore. You know, you, you either find someone who's like basically a libertarian or you find someone on the left who can agree with you on most of the you know civil liberties and anti-war stuff. But it's really hard to find a conservative who's anti-war and like anti-surveillance who isn't a libertarian. You know what I mean? Like we don't, we just don't yeah. like see that. Yeah. Anymore. So I, yeah. I have a lot of family that, and I, that's where I came from was the right. So I, I see a lot of that. And um, uh, the war, you know, the war and some of the police are kind of the last bastions of, of the kind of hang on to. And I think some of that is, you know, my grandpa was world war one, you know, it's like, you've got this patriotic thing going yeah. and you, the wars are for a lot of there's it's a good and evil it's a distinction you know the nazis the communists yeah. you know vietnam were over there fighting the Viet Cong. but then if you don't ever get a, an anti-war stance from a because a lot of if you're you know my old days and you see the the vietnam war as an example the the ones that were protesting it they were really they weren't like anti-war they were pro almost pro-communist in a sense you know a yeah, little right, bit red yeah. book of mouth so you're siding with them or not and, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to side with them. And then, you know, it's not till later in my life, I find Rothbard and some of these other things. And I actually saw the um, Ken Burns Vietnam uh, War um, uh, documentary. And there was a guy in there. He was enlisted. He came out. He was protesting with, you know, um, um, John Kerry throwing his medals and stuff. Um, and then he was disgusted with um, 
what's her name on the, you know, riding the, um, the oh, yeah. Jane Fonda. Um, and I was like, yeah, Oh, yeah. I was like, Oh, interesting. He, he, you know, he was a West point guy, went over there. He was still a proud American. He just didn't like all his boys getting killed. And for me, that was a completely different way of looking at it. And I think for the right, you have to push them from that side and now, you know, the police are taking people with masks. You got to push them from that side. It's the Scott Horton way of, of arguing, I guess, with it. But I think it's it, Dennis Miller once said he made a joke about, you know, people being um, uh, PETA and animals. And he's like, do you think if it was the roles were reversed, the um, minks wouldn't be wearing you as a jacket? You know, I mean, so these people, uh, you know, on the other side, you talk about Abby Martin. I mean, you know, she's got bad politics and some things, but I think there's, there's just enough of all of these where um, the roles were reversed, you know, they're for your civil rights at one point, but if they were in power, eh, I don't know. I yeah. both sides, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what it is. Like, that's that's why I I tend to ally more with, like, if, if a leftist really cares about civil liberties and being against killing people, that matters more than a conservative who isn't against those things so much, but will align with me more on the social side of things occasionally or like gun rights or whatever, yeah. because like you're saying, if the roles were res- reversed, things would suck. So he like the conservative is kind of just like the liberal, just the, the, the flip side of the liberal, like they just want to use political force to control so much of your life. Or um, and you know maybe not my life, but certain individuals in this country. So if there's someone who just really disagrees with me on economics, but really cares about people's lives and the government destroying them, I'm going to tend to be more sympathetic toward them. But understand, like that doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice any of your principles to right. work in areas of agreement with these people. Like um, Abby Martin and I can completely agree on Israeli foreign policy relations, the CIA, ending the wars, ending the war on drugs, ending the Patriot Act. And then, you know, it can end right there. Like if she wants to increase taxes or increase regulations on uh, businesses or whatever, like and be like, nope, I, I don't agree with you on that. Um, I don't understand why people can't understand that you can work with anyone to do good and nobody to do wrong, which is right. a, uh, um, that's a profound statement. I'm trying to, that's, I stole it from someone though. It's, uh, yeah, man, I'm blanking. Sorry. It's late at night. Well, so I'm forgetting names. But. Well, well, you're in mountain time, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, I will, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Is there anything else you wanted to say? I really, by the way, really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, giving me a chance to, uh, communicate and, and get to know you a little bit better. Um, maybe we'll see you out and around at some of these Liberty things, or if you ever travel through Sacramento, let me know, but, um, anything you want to promote? I know we've gone over your list of shows here. Yeah, sure. Just uh, follow me on Twitter at Reed Coverdale, uh, Naturalist Capitalist on YouTube. Um, I'm also on Odyssey now, and I have um, audio versions of my podcast. I was like a month and a half behind, and I finally caught up yesterday, uploaded everything. So I I should be um, maintaining that. Usually what I do is I go live on YouTube, and then it'll upload Odyssey, and then I'll download the file and convert it to audio only, put it up on Anchor a couple days later. but yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Um, we should do it again sometime. Like we can plan it out and yeah. you know, go a little longer. And, um, totally. That'd be great. I, I just really appreciate you coming. And look, I, and maybe I'll need to run out here, but um, you know, you got a big Twitter following. I did a thing where I follow like seven to nine people and those are kind of the ones I follow. So if I end up commenting too much, I'm not stalking. I'm just interested. That's all it is. So 
Thanks yeah, so much, no Reed. Uh, everyone follow him and, and hopefully maybe you'll set up a Patreon someday and I'll start getting some money out of this or how's that going? Uh, oh, by the way, it's Frederick Douglass who said the quote. I just remembered that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm probably going to do a sub stack, honestly. I don't even know if I want to do Patreon because, <laughs> you know, my content, like I, the other thing is like being as close as I am to Ryan, um, <laughs> I've already had Gabe Hoff come after me. He's like this Zionist who tries to get anyone who speaks ill of Israel removed. Um, so I just don't know like how how long I have on the mainstream platform. So especially like for just generating revenue. So I'm probably going to do Substack. I don't know about Patreon. Um, and Ryan can actually set me up with a bunch of different ways to make money. So I'll probably be doing that. But I, I would like to, you know, uh, get a little bit more professional and a little bit more independent over time. Like this isn't how I make money at all right now. I mean, I do make some, I make money on the super chats and on Odyssey, I get some donations, but uh, you know, I still work 60 hours a week truck driving. That's how I make my money. So, well, good job with that and support him if you can, when you get those things going once again, Reed, love it. Thank you very much. We're out of Afghanistan. So that's, that's the new celebration. Talk to you later. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you. Yep. Yeah.